questions, right? In fact, my example here is this Pop-Tart box. I just finished the last one yesterday, so I probably got to get some new ones here. But some instruction is more important than others. How many have ever read a Pop-Tart instruction box? Anyone? Didn't think so, because really, okay, my daughter did. She rose her hand there. Um, we really don't need instruction to eat a Pop-Tart, but there's this guy, uh, something Regan, a com- comedian that kind of does something funny about this too. But it's just, there's just two basic things here. It says, here's the instruction. Toast on lowest level, let cool before eating. I don't need to know that to eat a pop I just eat a Pop-Tart. In fact, I'm the kind of guy that, maybe because I'm just the Wisconsinite in me, I love even toasting a little bit more, flipping it over and putting butter on the back. Just, oh yeah, just have that little flavor in there. But, you know, this instruction, no, none of you have read it before. You didn't need to know it to eat this. That's important. You know, for them, they had to put it on there. But some instructions are more important. I have in my hand, I recently bought a climbing harness. I do a lot of rock climbing and climbing, and my harness was nine years old. And I realized, you know, after nine years and how much I use it, it's probably good to get a new one. Things great, looks great. There's just a couple scuffs on the side, but it's really good. But here's the instructions for the climbing harness. Probably 20 different languages on here. There's Greek. Okay, I can tell that one. You know, some of them, but English, where's, okay, English is the first one. But notice, like even the pictures, if you don't know how to read, here you go. Because you could die, right? This is important to have great instructions for those people using a harness so you don't die. In fact, there's even color codes. Green is just, you know, there, it's safe. Then you got orange, be careful. But red, they even got a little skull and crossbones. Don't do this. You could die. These instructions are very important. Now, I've had a lot of training with with rock climbing and mountaineering, and I really didn't need to open this up and read it, but I did because it was a new harness, and the new harness has a new kind of style to it, so I wanted to make sure and everything, and I even was like, okay, there's where the latch is, okay, all this stuff, because even on these harnesses, they have these gear loops, and in here they even show you in pictures. Don't put the rope on that gear loop. You could die. Very important instructions. I mean, that's Usually when I do rock climbing, it's loaded up with a bunch of stuff. If I'm doing lead climbing or something else, it's all that stuff. But these, look, it takes me an hour even to wrap it up here. Some instructions are very, very important. Pop-tarts, just eat them, okay? You don't even have to toast them. How many don't toast your pop-tarts? Oh, maybe you should read the instructions, please, okay? Where is the greatest place we can get instruction? Right here, people, right? In fact, yesterday we had a oh, beautiful wedding. Beautiful wedding. It was great. I sat by my wife. It was our anniversary, 22 years. So we were like reminiscing and celebrating. It was great. I didn't have to officiate. I was sitting over there and just, it was beautiful. The whole place was set up. But notice today something's missing. Pastor Aaron, can you help me? What's missing? The table. Right? Okay, it's going to take a moment here. We got tucked in here. So, what's unique about Maranatha, even symbolically, even the way this building is set up and the way we do things here at Maranatha. Now, if you're OCD, don't get crazy because it may not be as centered as I can here. Here and I will do our best. But notice, every Sunday, this is central 
Like even our building is kind of shaped in such a way, and again, that's acoustics and the beauty design, but we want our focus to be this word right here. Amen? In fact, every Sunday I try to get it turned to where I'm preaching or something just in case one of the little kids comes up and go, hey, that's what we preached, or that's what we heard from Pastor Cody. They don't talk in high voice, but anyway, yeah. But I got Psalm 119. Over 170 verses chuck full of the beauty of the Word of God and the importance for instruction. And we're going to deal with that a little bit today in our passage. So before we begin, let's pray. All right? Father God, I thank you for your word. I'm thankful that we have it before us. And Lord, I even pray right now for those in different countries who are unable to get the word of God. I pray that you would provide divine, miraculous ways for them to get the word of God, now even more through technology, now through the phones. And we have so many ways the word of God is accessible in so many different ways but in closed countries we pray just a blessing over those missionaries and christians who are trying to get the word of god to people and lord i pray that we would take serious the teaching of your word because it's instruction because if we don't have it truly we will die it's not just something simple and light it is weighty and beautiful and precious and good. So guide us this morning in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we are in our study in the book of James. So get your Bibles and go to the book of James chapter 3. James, if you read through James, you realize he kind of jumps from different topic to different topic at times. And, and like, in fact, he even talked about the tongue a little bit in chapter 1. And then, then he's going to spend a whole chapter, chapter 3 here, on just the, the tongue and the importance of speech. And what we've got a kind of a shift that he does here. And although James continues to talk through this with the Christian life. And then here's a summary that I've kind of summarized when we were in the middle of, of what we were in chapter 1 there and in chapter 2, and it's this. The Christian life, hearing and doing, being grounded in the Word and the character of God requires, very important here, requires believers to be doers of the Word and also demonstrators of His character. And at different times throughout our study, we've looked at different aspects of it. But notice I've got underlined here, being grounded in God's Word. Today we're going to be looking at one of the ways we can be grounded in God's Word. And that is from good preaching. Good teaching from the Word. So in James chapter 3, we have this, what we could almost call a handbook on the controlling of your tongue and the power of your tongue. James spends quite a amount of time talking about the tongue and the importance of it and how dangerous it is and how you can use it for good or for bad, for evil. And, and there's wisdom that can come from it. And what we're going to do is, for those of you who are memorizing, we're memorizing through James, um, this will be an easy one because we're at James chapter 3, verse 1. We're just doing that. But in the future here in the next couple, well, not a couple weeks, but when we get into this, we'll see we're going to cruise through James chapter 3 because he just uses a lot of illustrations as we go through this. But notice in your Bibles, there's going to be even some of your editors have made a section where it goes James 1 through 12, and then the next section 13 through the end. That's kind of how we're going to break this down as we study through this. 
If you recall in the beginning of James, we have these trials, we have this suffering, and we are called to endure and persevere through that so that out of that perseverance it will produce this spiritual maturity that we need. And we are called to be like Christ. And the tongue is one of the best ways to display Christian maturity. You hear that? The tongue is one of the best ways to display spiritual maturity. And that's what chapter 3 is about. Today we're going to look at just the first verse here and then talk about why we need godly pastors and preachers and then why we need good biblical teaching. So let's take a look at our verse here. James chapter 3, start just verse 1 here. Here it is. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, because we who teach will be judged more strictly. Strictly. So let's kind of look at different aspects of this verse. Then we'll talk again about having godly preachers, pastors, and then our need for good biblical teaching. Notice in the middle of there, James mentions his audience again. What does it say there? It says, my fellow believers. In fact, I grabbed my old NIV, and it says this, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers. Now in the Greek, in the original language, is this word, adelphoi, which means brothers. It's a word that he's used a couple times here, and it's a common word that maybe you've even heard of. Take a look at this here. How many of you have heard of the town of Philadelphia? Anyone? All right, okay. So Philadelphia is taking two Greek words and kind of putting them together, and I've kind of broken this down here. So Philadelphia, you got the first part, which is, comes from the word philos, which means love. That's kind of this general love that you can have for others. There's different Greek words for love. There's eros, there's agape. There's all different types of words for, for love that the Greek language has. So here we got philos, which is phila. There's love. And then the last there, you can even see what's, what's easy about Greek. Some of the characters look familiar to us. You got the A and the D, and that's about it. Okay, well, yeah. But Philadelphia. So there's that Adelphia. So what James is using, he's using this word brothers, Adelphoi. That's the plural there. And we've mentioned this. James is writing to fellow believers. Now in Philadelphia, it's not just a bunch of brothers that live there. That'd be the largest family on the planet, right? No, it's men and women live together. It's the city of love. Brotherly love, that's what, that's what they want to promote here. James is writing to fellow believers when he uses this word Adelphoi. Both men and women who belong to the family of God. So he's using this brothers, but he's talking to those who are Christians in this group. Now look at the first part. It says this. Not many of you should become teachers. So in this handbook of controlling the tongue, in this chapter 3 that he has where he's got, okay, here's this chapter 3 where he worked through this handbook of speech and stuff, he begins talking right away of relation to speech and teachers. Why? Because teachers use their tongue a lot. In fact, primarily this time, now you can say they blog or they write and all that stuff. But in this, we'll talk about their, their culture here. They spoke. That's how they taught. Since teachers use the tongue often, they have a special warning right in the beginning of this chapter. But it's important to look at what teachers mean in this context here with James. 
James is writing to those in the first century, the New Testament world. So when you hear teachers, you might think, oh, teachers like at school. In fact, raise your hand if you're a teacher at a school or homeschool. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, there's a handful of you here. Yeah. So when we hear teachers, we think, oh, teachers, that's what he's talking about. Well, he's not using it in that way. He's using it, again, in this first century sense where teachers were those who were trained. They're the only ones who could read and write in many situations where the common people, they couldn't read or write. They had a special training and were regarded very highly in society. In fact, this is a description of what this is talking about from a commentary. The office of teacher was roughly equated to equivalent of rabbi in the jewish community again so he's talking to the church he's talking to the teachers of the church so go back to old testament who were those people they were the rabbis he's got a couple examples matthew and john there the teacher had the task of expounding the truth of the gospel on the basis of the growing christian tradition so James isn't just talking about, hey, do you teach a, a class anywhere, any of those teachers? No, no, he's talking about those who would be like the rabbis of the Jewish faith here. He's talking to equivalent of those who would be a pastor of a church. Those who have the vocation, they're paid to be teachers of the church. In fact, it's interesting, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we'll, talk, we'll bring this verse up here, later on ephesians 4 11, paul talks about god gave the church gifts prophets apostles evangelists and then it goes pastors slash and teachers so the pastors were the teachers of the time in the early church it was the pastors who were the teachers they were the you could almost call the christian rabbis of the community again they just james is writing one of the first letters that was written so it, the church is just beginning they're they're meeting in home churches they don't even have buildings to meet in so these are kind of the the christian rabbis of the community so the terms teacher elder pastor stood for the same office in this first early church again james is involved with and writing to these people and the churches gathering they get together and they kind of go okay who's going to teach us and they kind of might look around are there any rabbis in our group that have followed holy scripture and seen the beauty of it and turned to christ they probably look around is rabbi so-and-so around who are who's going to teach us but maybe someone wasn't trained in the word so he begins by saying this look at look at scripture here not many of you why not many of you? Because you think the church is just starting, they're growing, let's get a bunch of people, let's teach the Word. He goes, whoa, whoa, slow down, not many of you. So James is dealing with a couple things possibly. Either he's dealing with too many people that want to teach. Oh, I'll take that position, oh, I'll jump in that spot. And possibly these aspiring teachers are unqualified to be in that position as they try to get in the role without the right training, they don't know Scripture well, or they might not have the moral qualifications. Thus, we have later, as Paul writes to maybe Timothy and others, these are the qualifications of an elder. These are the qualifications of a pastor. And some maybe were too eager 
to get that title and position. Again, in this society of the first century, those who were teachers, they were the, you know, the respected people. I'm like, oh, there's no teacher. I'll be your teacher. You can all follow me. And they had the wrong motives because they wanted the title. At that time in the Greco-Roman world, as I did some study on this, it's interesting, a teacher was judged by their popularity. The bigger the crowd, that must be a better teacher. <laughs> Not much has changed in America today with some churches, right? Just because there's a big crowd and popular doesn't mean they know the word. Let's look again at verse 1 here. It says, Not many of you should be teachers. Brother says, Because, why? Because the role of a pastor teacher is a very serious thing, and few should seek it out. Here's what it says Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why? There's a greater responsibility on the pastor who's teaching God's Word than God would have to other roles that people have. A couple examples. Moses. God told Moses to do something. Numbers 20. Here's how you're going to get water out of this rock. Moses did not listen, and Moses got judged. Or listen to this out of Matthew chapter 12. Jesus. As He taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around with their flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogue and have places of honor and banquets. I mean, that's what James was just talking about chapter 1. Remember that? Look at that fancy person. Oh, they know the word. Sit right up here by the scroll. Oh, you're all fancy. Jesus goes, be careful for those type of people who flash around all their stuff. Listen to what he says. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished more severely. Those who are to be teachers of the law, those who are to be preachers, guess what? They have more serious judgment if they mess up. In fact, when I was reading this and I was getting it all typed up ready to go, my heart sank. I'll never forget when I was in the Philippines. I was in the Philippines. I was with some younger pastors. We were talking about being a pastor, what it's like. And then I heard we were at this restaurant. And it was it's the Philippines, so they don't really have many doors and stuff for some of the restaurants because it's all open. It's, it doesn't get cold. And I heard some worship music, and I could see a church like building in the background. I like, hey, is that a church over there? And all the other the Filipinos were like, oh, there. I kind of looked down. I'm like, wow, they're singing worship music. And I said, is that a good church? And they're like, uh, no. Well, they got worship. Uh, what's going on? And they were kind of like reluctant to share. And then one guy said, here's the deal. That priest over there, here's what he does. He goes around to the oldest people in his congregation, gets to know them, butters them up, and when they die, he gets all of their stuff. All the widows who die. He's got so many houses, so much land. Again, listen to Mark chapter 12. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. The ones who are in this position, the position of a pastor teacher, they have greater judgment than others. Now think about this. Again, a month ago we talked about this in chapter 2. 
we as Christians will be judged. Okay, we will be judged. This judgment doesn't determine our status before God because we are His children based upon the grace of God. All Christians, though, will stand before Christ to have our works tested and judged. The judgment will determine whether our good works were good or they were worthless deeds that we have done. And we will be judged according to the conformity of the royal law of love and our righteous deeds. So judgment will come. And pastors who have become eager to teach, again, James got this young church, they're starting, oh, I'll be in that position, I'll be the teacher. He's warning. Pastors who have become eager to teach out of selfish ambition or use their position to gain on others will be judged severely. If they have misled people by their words, by their tongue, they will be judged. On the other hand, those who are faithful to proclaim God's Word and demonstrate the royal law of love with righteous fruit will receive rewards according to their work of faithfulness. So again, let's conclude this part by looking at this verse again. Not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So now let me get into some application here and talk about why we need godly pastors and secondly, why we need good biblical teaching. Why we need godly pastors. A couple thoughts on that. Number one, we need pastors who are called from God. We need pastors who are called from God. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11 says, God has given the church gifts. These gifts are evangelists, apostles, prophets. And then in the end, he says, pastors, teachers. These are gifts that God gives us. He's the one who calls them. One of the greatest books that I have read outside of Scripture in training to be a pastor is the not this specific one, because my first one wore out, and the, part of it wore out, and then I gave it to a young guy who wanted to be a pastor. It's called Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon. Raise your hand if you've never heard of Charles Spurgeon. Raise your hand. Just let me see. Okay, some of you have never heard of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a 19th century preacher in London. And now he has this, he probably wouldn't like it, but he's got this title, The Prince of of preachers i read some of his sermons and i'm just blown away how he can articulate scripture and he was used by god to just do revival and just his preaching was amazing so in this book he's got some young people are like i want to go into ministry let's do it so these are lectures to his students about ministry so a second chapter is called the call to ministry Let me give you some of the things that he says out of this call to ministry. It would have been a fearful thing for me to have occupied the watchman's place without having received the watchman's commission. It would be very scary to take a place that God has designed for someone if God hasn't called me to be in that position. 
For Spurgeon, a call from God was one of the most essential things for a pastor to go into ministry. You must know your call. Your call must be shown by certain things. You go, the chapter's amazing. He just talks about people should confirm your call into ministry. In fact, he warned this. Let every a man abide in the calling wherein he is called. And he gives a list like, if you're a lawyer, stay a lawyer. If you're begging groceries, that's what God called you to do, keep begging groceries. If you're a doctor, keep being a doctor. Unless there is a special call from God to devote himself to the ministry. He almost gets extreme where he says, do anything but ministry. Do anything but be a preacher of God. Unless it's so burning in you that you know God's callings upon your life, then abandon that and follow his calling. We want pastors who actually want to minister because they've been called by God. Not those who are looking to, hey, this is a cool position. I can lead a bunch of people. I can teach them what I want. I've got a great blog already. I can just be a great preacher. Number one, they must have God's calling upon them. Number two, we need pastors who are trained in the Word. We need pastors who know the Word and trained it. When I go to a doctor, I like it that he's got an MD, just so you know, right? He's trained. When I go to a dentist, I want to go to a real dentist, not someone who goes, you know, when I was a little kid, I got a little box as a toy and I had a bunch of teeth in it. I'll just be your dentist. Uh, no, thank you. We need pastors who are trained in the Word. So let me just say this. It's possible that there's something, and I've been praying about this for a while, as I've been thinking about this verse. Maybe there's someone in this room where your heart's going, you know, maybe God is calling me into full-time ministry. Maybe He's calling me, He's quipping me, and I've been thinking about being a pastor. I don't know, maybe God's calling me to do this. To be a full-time teacher. Preacher of God's Word. Here's my advice. Get training in the Word. If you want to be a medical doctor, go to school. If you want to get a training, if you want to be a welder, learn by someone who knows what they're doing. Here's very important. Proclaim the Gospel. One has to understand the Gospel themselves. Amen? And here, I've got many prayers I work through when I'm working on a sermon, when I approach Scripture. Here's one of my prayers. God, may this passage preach to me before I utter one word about it. Because if it doesn't preach to me, I might as well just read off a box of Pop-Tarts to you, right? No, God's Word will still do its work. But as a pastor, I want it to shape me and break me and mold me to be more like Christ. In fact, one of the desired qualifications when I applied for this position as senior pastor at Maranatha was that I would have a Master's of Divinity or something equivalent to a Master's Degree of Divinity. Because we as a church don't want someone who's deficient in their understanding of Scripture, of Bible. In fact, here's an example. I've got some pictures here. There's a picture of my father-in-law's chair. He taught at a seminary. For, and this he taught, and this is his 30-year gift. I think he taught 40 years. Is that right, Amber? 40 years, yeah. So this is his 30-year gift. But here's a close-up of what's on the chair. Our school model. 
Now, I know you can't read Greek, but here's what it is. It's 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. The first part that's not on there, it says, we speak as those approved by God. In Greek, there's two words, but in English, we have four. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. At our school, they pounded that in us. You will have the Word of God. You are entrusted with the holy, divine Word of God. Thus, we're going to train you. It's going to be hard. Here's some Greek. It will make your brains go, oh. Then you'll do Hebrew and be like, why did I do this? Okay? But we're going to train you deep in the Word because you're going to be entrusted with the Gospel. We need pastors who are trained in the Word. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to Bible school. I'm not saying you got to do all those things that I did or Pastor Aaron did or Pastor Eric and Pastor Tony, but they are very, very helpful. Very helpful to do. A preacher should know God's Word, know doctrine, know Christian practice. And there should be great preparation. I do a lot of preparation in my study of, of, of the Word and stuff. In fact, let me show you a picture. There's this young man at our church. Andre, a couple of years ago, said, hey, Pastor Tony's having me preach at the youth group, share from the Word, and there's a pastor. I'm like, oh, what are your thoughts? And my first thing is, I don't want to show you my thoughts. Let's get in the Word. And here's a picture of him just diving in. We had the books out. And, and he was like, look at this. Look at the background of this. And Oh, this is just a great passage. And I just love it. I mean, I, I wish I could have 70 hours a week just working on sermons. I don't have that much time. But this is so rich. And there was Andre just digging in the Word. I think I left and he kept studying. Sermons are not to be filled with opinions like a blogger puts them online. Study the Bible carefully if you're going to preach the Word so that it can be rightfully handled and divided. That's what we need to do as preachers of the Word. That's why James is saying, not many of you should get into this. We need pastors who are trained in the Word. There's a responsibility in what I'm teaching and what I've been passed on, the privilege to teach the Holy Word of God. And I never want to misrepresent the Word of God. Please say amen to that. Amen. I don't want to do that. Before I conclude this section, let me just give a little couple thoughts on dangerous types of preachers. We need to hear this. America's got some dangerous preachers out there. One way would be what I would call unbalanced. Unbalanced teachers of the Word. They don't teach the full counsel of God. They've got a hobby horse, and that's all they preach. When I was in Washington State, there was one guy who just got so wrapped up in the Old Testament, he was like, we don't need the New Testament. we got to be, I mean, this is how God presented Himself in the Hebrew language and just got so wrapped up into, we got to, you know, we got to follow all the, the laws and just, I was like, what are you talking about? This is so unbalanced. Or maybe there's some that are just, all we need is the New Testament. The Old Testament, none of that applies to us anymore. Christ has come. He's fulfilled the law. We don't need the Old Testament. Those are dangerous. We need to have a balance of both old and new, right? We spent two years just in Christ in the Old Testament. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Another unbalanced way, which I think is very dangerous, is having an unbalance of just doctrine only, they got all their T's written, all their dots, everything's perfect. They got everything doctrinally sound, but they do nothing in practice. 
they should read James chapter 2, right? And if you've missed our last two sermons that Pastor Aaron and I did, those are so important. Faith and works work together. Or there's another group of churches that just like, we don't need doctrine. We don't need all this kind of teaching. We'll just do social justice and just hand out cups of water to everyone and they leave out doctrine and truth and that's dangerous also. You have to have a balance. You've got to proclaim the whole counsel and will of God. Number two, a dangerous thing is this. Watered down preaching. Oh, that as a pastor just saddens my soul. Again, this is central. Not my goofy stories. Not my opinions about stuff. If When you walk away, you should know this right here. Amen? When you leave, I want you to go, oh, yes. I hunger more for that. Now I understand what Scripture is saying there. Oh, that makes sense. Now I'm making these connections. People water down. And here's the dangerous thing. Churches are bringing the Word of God lower, the understanding of God lower, just to appeal to people to get a greater crowd. Very, very dangerous. Amen? Here's the third thing. And this one gets me... When people add things to Jesus. Jesus plus something else. Oh, you need Jesus, but plus do all these works. Then you'll get to heaven. What? Oh, Jesus plus all these other things. It's just so dangerous. It's never Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus, period. Amen? And too many people just set aside the Gospel and add things to Jesus. We need pastors who are called by God. We need pastors who are trained in the Word. And third, we need pastors who are morally upright and a lover of God and others. Spurgeon believed that, one of the, that only the best and humble should enter into ministry. Those who had true and genuine piety. Here it is. Whatever call a man may pretend to have, if he has not been, called, been not called to holiness, he is certainly has not been called to the ministry. Whatever calling a man pretends to have, oh, I've been called to be a pastor. Spurgeon says, if you haven't called to holiness, you truly haven't been called to be in the pastorate. What shall I say to young men who are about to enter the ministry that shall be more useful to them than this? Oh, I love this. Keep to the cross. Amen? Keep to the cross. Always preach up Jesus or lift Him up. Always preach up Jesus Christ. We need pastors who walk a life of humility, surrender to the Lordship of Christ, who live that who preach a sermon on Sundays and live a sermon the rest of the week. Pastors should live out their sermons. Here's what Spurgeon says. Men do not read the Bible. I've got how many of you got friends that don't have a Bible or even read it, right? I mean, we got friends who don't read the Bible. It says this, men don't read the Bible, but they will read us. Do let us give them a good version of scripture in our lives. Again, James is dealing with this problem of too many people going, oh, I'll fill in that position. And they maybe aren't morally upright or maybe they're not solid as a Christian. Maybe they don't know Scripture as well as they should. They want to be a pastor-teacher. But we're immature. 
and not ready for that role. And too often they would jump to conclusions which would lead to major problems in the church. 2 Timothy, Paul says, don't preach to people's itching ears. Give us this, give us this, preach this. Don't do that. Lift up Jesus, amen? Or adding things. One of the problems in the early church, you see this in Acts chapter 15, you see this in the book of Galatians. People are coming to the Lord and, and they're teaching and they needed a good teacher, but they're like, you know what? Okay, Jesus, he fulfills all great, but let's include circumcision. Let's include the law. Let's include all this other stuff. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You can't have Jesus plus Judaism. It's Jesus, period. We need pastors who love people, who don't just talk about it. The quality of a pastor's life and preaching matters a great deal to God. And if you're going to be a pastor, be very serious about it. So preachers must be careful what they say and how they live. I mean, can you imagine? I'll give you an example, those of you who know me. Can you imagine as we're going through this James series, we've been talking about caring for the poor, doing all this stuff, reaching out, caring for others. And I act, oh, let's do this. And I don't do an ounce of it outside of church. You'd be like, you're a phony, you're a fake. So that's a word to pastors. Now let's move to us who listen with our ears. Those who hear the teaching of God's Word. What do we need? Three things here in closing. We need good biblical teaching to know deeper the Word of God. You need teaching so we know this deeper. So we walk away on Sundays. When we leave, we just go, yes, I want more of that. And here's my encouragement. This is one of my goals. I pray that 80% of us are in some type of Bible study outside of Sunday. Because you can come Sunday, get a full load of a banquet of yumminess from the Word of God, and have nothing the rest of the week. You're going to just get tired and weary and dry out. You need fellowship, connection in a Bible study, studying the Word of God. Go deeper in the Word. Here's one of my cautions, though. We live in an age with so much media. I would say to be very careful a warning of having too many teachers in your ear. You don't need a thousand different voices. You can go to YouTube. Look at this cool guy. Look at this popular person on YouTube who's this pastor who's popular today on YouTube can be very dangerous know the word right so we need good biblical teaching to know deeper the word of god second we need good biblical teaching to have a firm foundation so get your bibles and let's go to second timothy chapter three great passage here second timothy three you need to have a foundation when I got this new climbing harness, I looked at the picture. I looked at all. I really didn't have to because I've had training. When I was in mountain rescue, before to get into mountain rescue, I had to do all this training and show that I was approved to be in this serious stuff. I could close my eyes and tie 10 different climbing knots upside down if I had to because I had that foundation, that training that I had. I was ready for it. That way if I say, hey, let's go rock climbing, you can trust me. We need a good biblical training or teaching to have a firm foundation. This is such a great passage. Let's start with verse, uh, let, let's do 14. 
2 Timothy 3.14. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you've learned it. Again, you know that you've sat under good biblical teaching. You know, continue in that. Oh, look at listen to this. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at this word. Through Scriptures, we can then know and become wise about salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. When does it begin? When you're an adult? No, from infancy. And we are so honored and privileged to have a church that has such a great focus. We even have pastors, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Tony, investing into our kids. Even from as young as they are, this faith path is so important to us. Helping them, what does it say? Know and wisdom about salvation. Because this is the instruction. Without it, you will die eternally. Let's look at the rest. Again, this famous verse here. All Scripture is God-breathed. Verse 16. And useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Look at verse 17. So that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Again, here's faith and work. We got this great foundation that we need to have from Scripture. Teachings about Jesus Christ. The Gospel through faith. And then, we have this Scripture in us. What does it say verse 17? So that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. There is such a great potential for doctrinal error and moral error. That's why James is saying, don't just jump and be the teacher. Think about this and be called by God. Then lastly, we need good biblical teaching so we can be better ministers for God. Better ministers for God. I'm excited that we have many programs at our church. Let's just talk even about the kids program. we got a Wanda Sunday School. I'm glad that we have that. And one of our goals as when Luke is here and I'm working with Pastor Aaron, we got to, we're trying to figure out where we can get all of them who are the volunteers. They're not like teachers like a preacher. They still have some responsibility. They have stuff that they're teaching through. They, it's already written for them. But listen, we would love to train you. If you're a volunteer, we would love to train you even more. So on Wednesday nights, when the kids are over there, I teach a class over here called How to Study the Bible. And if you're a volunteer at Awana, if you're a volunteer in Sunday School, if you help with the, the kids program with, with Pastor Tony, if you haven't done this class with us yet, please join us. It's a great place to get trained in how to study the Bible. I'm excited what's going to happen next month in August. Maybe I'm a little too excited, but I'm excited. We get missionaries that come. Missionaries come whenever they can. They're on furlough. That's their time to come and visit church and stuff. It just, by providential hand of God, we're having many missionaries, some of our main missionaries that many of you know for many, many years, they're coming. Every seems like every Sunday in the month of August, we've got this. So I've been working with Pastor Aaron, talking with the missions team, and just like, well, let's, let's have a great focus on missions. Again, we need good biblical teaching so we can be better ministers for God. And my 
desire is this. We're not going to have any Sunday school, so the kids will be with us. It's going to be great. My desire is that August will be this launching pad for us as a church to be praying for our missionaries, writing them letters, writing them emails, encouraging them, but also being inspired to go forth and do ministry. I brought up Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. God gave gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor slash teacher. And then the next two verses are my job description for the pastors. My job is to equip you to do ministry. I'm not the minister in the church. We are the ministers in the church, right? We're the ones to go out and do this. And when we get into the Word and we study God's Word, we have this great biblical teaching, then we are more equipped to go out and do the works God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's my prayer that as you get teaching on Sunday, teaching in your Bible study, as you study the Word on your own, you would fall in love more with God and with others and serve where God has placed you and then you would receive His blessing. Not His judgment, but His blessing. And the joy. Someday, here's the words that I'm going to hear someday. It's my prayer. Someday in glory, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? That's what I'm going to be living for. To hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. And Lord, as we pray, I just want to say some specific prayers here for some specific groups of people. Lord, we lift up the underground churches, churches again that don't have Your Word so readily. We pray that You would just allow borders to open and You would allow people to get the Word of God through, through media, through different advances of technology. May they be able to study and memorize Your Word in close countries. We lift up those missionaries to You. Lord, we pray for America. Our country's gone through much, but right now I specifically pray for the churches that are not preaching Your Word. God, awaken them. Too many churches, it's like a baby with a power tool. Dangerous. They excluded Your Word. They excluded Christ. Please awaken those ministers to the reality of the Gospel. May they taste and see it, Lord. And Lord, help us continue to preach a balanced message of the Gospel, both faith and deed. And Lord, I pray that we, as hearers of the Word, would be challenged, inspired, as we get into James later, that we'd use our tongues for proclaiming the Gospel, for encouragement, not for destroying people. And I pray, Lord, as we get into looking at some of these missionaries that we know and praying for, that You would inspire us, spur us on to love and good deeds as You've called us to be ministers in the world we live in. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you're able to and join us in our last few songs.
life that's never ending. Your words bring us love that never fails. Everything else will fade away, but what will remain are your
grab your Bibles and go to Psalm 19. Just grab your Bible, Psalm 19. Kids, I know you got school coming up in a month. I encourage you, the month of August, memorize this section here. As a kid, when I memorized it, I thought it was like, okay, then I realized the beauty of this passage here. Psalm 19, 7 through 14. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. If you ever get to a point where you need your soul revived, this is where it's at, right? The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant. Giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. Enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warm. And in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sin.